Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the comedy podcast that talks about all your favorite horror movies. I'm Rachel. It's Mariah Carey season, bitches! Season two, the re-seasoning. I'm Mary. And I'm Mary Kay. <laughs> and today we're talking... <laughs> we're talking about Doran and Yova Paz's Gollum. Which you can watch on Netflix. I mean, if you really want to. It's, it's, I think Gollum. Well, I'll tell you. Gollum is a thing in a fantasy novel. Oh, and I'm saying Gollum, like Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I thought that's where he got the word from. Yeah, there's some, there is some conjecture that that's where he got the word. But, um, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't Mm -hmm. know if he's ever confirmed that, but the similarities and based on like, Gollum's actual character like it kind of makes sense so um but yeah Gollum I did I even I looked at the like phonetic alphabet spelling okay. of it to make double triple sure so I didn't super humiliate myself because you know my brain's been mush. well what I really want to know is what movie Mary Kay thought this was <laughs> because as she starts to watch it she texts me <laughs> very confused <laughs> Well, yeah, I texted you that I, I was watching it with my mom. I was like, I was home for Thanksgiving and I was like, you want to watch this movie with me? And she was like, yeah, which shocked me because she's normally like, no, I don't want to watch a movie. I want to put something on in the background. I don't have to pay attention to. But she was like, yeah. And I was like, you want to watch a scary movie? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I have to watch this one for the podcast. And I put it on and we were both like, um, what? No. This isn't... Mm, no, I don't like this. And it all started when... Well, it didn't start when. It sealed when the uh, main character, Hannah, comes on screen and it's like, Lithuania, 1672, or whatever year it was. And then she walks closer on screen in a polyester blouse. And I was like, okay, nope. You guys couldn't have got cotton? Like, really? It's fine. It's fine when Kirsten Dunst does it on Marie Antoinette. But now we got a shit on gold. I'm just kidding. That was obviously deliberate. Um, Yeah. I mean, I understand why it is set wet and where But this was not. But. I do not. The is frustrating. Oh, I can tell you. Because there is an actual, like, historical. uh, Like, okay. (laughs) Historical. There is a traditional historical moment in time when a golem was is believed to have been created like there was a time and a place Prague. um whose icebreaker was this oh but yeah so to answer rachel's question um i thought it was the movie the short dybbuk but i still think we should do that one because we'll talk about it then uh it's like wedding season appropriate but yeah, that's supposed to be like a really artsy indie short. <laughs> and I was uh-huh. like, this is not that. Like while I was watching it, I was like, well, I don't know. I haven't seen that one yet either, but I think it looks really cool. Anyway, Mary's Icebreaker. Okay, so um, if you haven't watched this yet, first of all, it's only an hour and a half and it's on Netflix. So easy, easy. Go check it out if you don't want them something spoiled for you. Also, if you... Just Google Golem right now and don't even look up the movie and just read about what a Golem is. No spoilers to be had. 
it's the same kind of creature that does the same damn thing every time. So, um, in the context of this story, there's a moment that truly set each of our little hearts aflame. Not even horror flame. With rage. Not lust. Not even not fear. The good, not the good flames, <laughs> but like the bad ones. Because not the, the good rage. <laughs> not the sexy not the rage. <laughs> not the hot not the, kind. Not the righteous <laughs> button popping rage. Um, the like sweaty. Right. No, that we like that. The, the, the like the sweaty in your crotch rage. Ugh, I'm uncomfortable now too. Um, okay, so the lead character Hannah's husband is being very uh, obviously seduced by another woman in the village, and uh, in his moment of weakness, when he is devastated that he discovers his wife has been lying to him, he uh, I think I could use the word retaliates here by um, going over to this woman's house and having dinner. And to all three of us, it was very obviously, like, inappropriate, not okay. Right? Like, in their world. Yeah, I yelled at the TV, oh, this bitch is thirsty. Like, when she brought that box and she was like, here's this box. Yeah. When he said that that food was just, like, delicious, just like God intended, I was like, what do you think God intends for you right now, motherfucker? Are you serious? Um, So, my question to start us off is, what is the not cheating, but obviously cheating behavior that would most infuriate you? Like, did he actually do anything that you could like on paper say is wrong? No, but like it was so obviously wrong, right? If you're watching this movie, it is very clear right. that in the world of these characters, everyone involved knows what a betrayal <clears throat> that is. So what would be that kind of thing for you mm-hmm. that like... If someone just totally disagreed with you fundamentally, there's no way you could ever convince them because no, on paper, nothing wrong happened, but you would know and your partner would know Mm -hmm. it wasn't okay. I mean, I have, yeah, I have a significant list of shit that's been done to me that I've had multiple fights about very recently, but I'm going to go with an old one because it's funny because it was so long ago. Is that okay? okay? This is Mary Mm -hmm. Kay, by the way. Um, uh, One of my exes dressed up like well with not me on a Halloween costume. First of all, a couple's nope. costume with someone that no. was not me. No. Already no. And the worst part is that um I told him, I was like, She's after you. Like, I know that you're not gonna do anything, but like you should know that you're feeding into it every time you guys hang out. And um they dressed up like Little Red Riding Hood and the big bad wolf. Wow. Wow. Yep. Yep. Problematic on every possible I really can level. pick them, you guys. On every well, level. Well, um, it's not like I get to say shit about that because I'm not doing any better. But well, actually, I'm doing much worse at this juncture. Oh, so. now I'm doing much, much better. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not. I got it. Thank you. Um, so. I just so, don't want anybody listening to think that I was bitching about somebody I'm currently dating because I'm not. I know. Uh, I had uh, an ex who, um, when I met him, he was with someone else. And we didn't do anything. I was not like, I kept my mouth in my hands, all that good stuff to myself. Um, and when they broke up, we started dating. Very immediately, we were young. Our loins were on fire in the good way. You know, I, I would not, I would not repeat that set not of actions. Not the rage way. Yeah, yeah. I would not repeat that set of actions at my current age and state of maturity. Not in that order, not in that timing. 
but we did not do anything again on paper wrong, right? So years later, when anyway uh, the thing, <laughs> he came home one night in the already super late, pulls up like in front of the house, and I realized he he'd gotten a ride with someone else. And they sat in the car for like an hour, hour and a half. Like turned the car off, all the lights off, just sat in the parking lot together in the car for like an hour, hour and a half. And when I tried to make the case that, hey, that's not cool. Even if nothing is actually happening, it sure seems to her like you'd be okay with something happening. When you sit in a parked car at two in the morning for an hour and a half. And look what happened. He was like, Mary, nothing happened. And I said, yeah, nothing happened when we did it either. Well, I don't, I hope, I honestly, if he did end up dating her, that's like the funniest thing in the world to me because I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into all that just now. That's another story for another time. You're such a good person. I would have been going deep into the crevasse of yeah, both of their social media been, and just been like, oh, I, I fucking knew crazy. it. And then I would just be like Captain Hole in Brooklyn Nine-Nine when Rosa loves the balloon arch. And he's like, vindication! Yes, that's how I yeah. feel. Um, yeah. No, A, because... Yeah, Jesus would have come down from the mountain and said, bitch, you out if that happened. Like, yeah, uh-uh. no, I am... Um, I felt so good about that line, though. Like, for once, he was so difficult. He was difficult to argue with, right? Because he was really good at twisting me back on myself or, like, forcing me to apologize or contradict myself, even if I had not done a thing. Like, so he was like, not, yes, I, mean, I, I, did a th- I did things. If, even if in this circumstance, the thing we were trying to talk about was something he had done, not something I had done, right? Somehow I would end up apologizing. And this one time, mm-hmm. this one time, I said... It, nothing happened when we did it either, and he shut the hell. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you just you fist punched the air, and then did a victory lap around the apartment. Right? That's then how I, I picture it in my then head. Then suddenly, poof! It materialized beneath me, a cloud, a big fluffy ass cloud. <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> I had the waist of Kim Kardashian and, and the turtle shells off of the hair of Mary Kay was the and clincher. the hair of Mary Kay, and I was just ascending <laughs> on this cloud. While Mariah Carey's a billion Mariah Carey's sang around me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, basically, I was born again as Whitney Houston, and life is good. <laughs> Rachel, oh man, you have to follow Rachel, those. That's the not cheating, but obviously cheating behavior. That would the only thing I can think of is this one time. Yeah. My well, this would not be that because all that had happened was well, you I could mean, be serenaded by a million Beyonces. All of the things that one boy and that. In that tiny little college town, and he's still mm-hmm. rotten in that tiny little college town, did to me. He did it all. But, yeah, yeah, he's stuck in Milledgeville. That's that's pretty good punishment, I'd say. Milledgeville. Um, and, by the way, mm-hmm. my our old professor, G, came to see me, and he was so gleeful about it. He was like, I'm so proud. You're here. You're in Boston. And he was, like, gleefully telling me about how bad he's doing in Milledgeville. And I'm like, you're such a bitch, doctor. Like, damn. <laughs> doctor and I potentially <laughs> nothing. But so but I had this really great boyfriend like here in Boston. Bitch. Things were going great and then they weren't going great. And then he came back from the gym, a very exclusive gym also by the way. And 
he, I had noticed, like, not trying to pry, but I had noticed, like, over his shoulder that, like, when he went to go search something on Facebook, the first thing that came up, so that's the last thing you searched, was a girl's name. And I'm like, what is that? He goes, oh, this girl that I'd met at the gym. I'm like, what do you mean this girl you met at the gym? My full Scorpio self is like... <laughs> enraged just by the fact he searched her name well because why the hell i have never understood <laughs> the only reason you would meet someone at a gym is if you are trying to or they are trying to meet you everyone else is just trying to get in their sweat yeah. and get out without interacting no, but with like the gym is not it's always been talked about as like because you're like pumping and you have like these pheromones going that it's very mixed people always turned on so they always see people and they, it, it happens. And so they, they got... What? No, that has never happened to me. Well, anyways. Not at, because if I'm at the gym, I'm also trying to work out. I don't want anyone to look at me while I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm thirsty no, as hell. I get it. I'd be I'm on sorry. that treadmill sometimes back in the day when I used to hate myself and we get on the treadmill. I'd be just looking. Yeah, yeah same. But anyway, so he's talking to this push-ups girl. For some push-ups reason. For push-ups? If somebody's doing push-ups, oh. I'm like, yes, more. He, he got to talking to this girl and found out she has this really interesting job. And he was just like saying all these great things about her. And I'm like, cool, I'm, I'm going to go. And he's like, well, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. I'm like, no, the fact that you were interested enough in this girl to go home to me and look her up to get more information on this girl, that's shady as hell. Yeah, that's, that's a whole ass problem. Like, even if you're not doing anything, if you don't have plans to do anything, it's that first step. And that's, Making that first step to me is that cheating but not cheating behavior. Yeah, because you're trying to get other shit lined up for when you think this is going to go south. The very fact that he, like, or anyone entertains that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who has the attention span for that? Who right. has that Ener- shit? Who has the energy? I don't know. They must need a lot of external validation. Yeah. Like um, okay. Benjamin. I liked I him at first. I think something... I did like him at first. Yeah, I think one of the things this movie does pretty well, actually, is that absolutely nobody in this movie is great or bad. And I felt like I could identify with a number of different characters. Like, Benjamin may not be, like, weak or fail in the particular ways that I do. But I, like... I I got, like, I, I could piece all that together even if those weren't the choices I would make. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he felt like she betrayed him, which she did, Mm -hmm. but then he retaliated in a way that was pointed at Mm. her, like, at getting back at her, because he didn't go through with it, he just did it to hurt her, which is more shitty than what she did, because she didn't do it to hurt him. Exactly, exactly, So, and that's the thing, like, that, to me, was a pretty normal human way of that panning out, right? Like... I understood why she did what she did. I understood why it hurt him so much. I understood why he retaliated. Like, it all made sense to me. Even if, like I said, I didn't personally identify with a certain character's, like, set of tactics. Um, Did anyone identify specifically, like... I wanted, well... So the premise of this movie is really cool. But the execution is not. Like, I just could not engage with it. Even as I was watching it being like, the story behind this is dope. But at what point did this cascading failure begin? Because I did not like this movie. I won't lie to y'all. 
I wanted to. Same. Same. I love folklore, right there yeah. You. Like, I was I so down. I, I was so down with, like, the whole, like, idea of it. Like, the Band-Aid baby uh-huh. story gone wrong, but, like, more wrong than, like, the term is defined. Yeah. I... I, th- I think that... I watched this right coming after watching Servant, so the bar was set pretty high, and it it's like a similar premise mm-hmm. of, like, grieving a lost infant. I didn't... Um, which, by the way, y'all gotta watch that. It's dope. Lauren Ambrose, amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't have super strong feelings either way, but I did um, feel like there was so much potential there that For sure. this could have benefited from being something with a bigger budget with big with more support so that they had a little more more breathing room to dig in artistically instead of just like and I, and I and it's not like there's not beautiful camera work or there's not some like smart choices the camera there. work I thought I, was one I, of that's the what best I'm parts like that I, and the music yeah yeah I, I I feel like I saw all of the the raw materials for this to be really great what it really needed was X amount of dollars and X amount of days extra for all of that to actually be executed. I mean, I hear exactly what you're saying. And some of the production elements that I was nitpicking earlier could totally be fixed by like throwing money at it. But the, even just the delivery of the dialogue, I was like, what, why would you say it like that? And also why would you phrase it like that? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm warning you, son. Who in Lithuania in 1692 dia- would say that? I I don't think the dialogue is the strong suit of this at all. In fact, I think a lot of the most powerful moments are the moments that occur without dialogue at all. And that makes sense for sure. in a world, right, where like, I mean, I'm not saying that it's okay for dialogue to be weak. I'm saying that it makes sense to me that even if the dialogue had been that outstanding, that a lot of the yeah, most powerful yeah, moments sure. would still be silent. Because, but yeah, because two of this, the two most central characters in the story are Hannah and the Golem. And these are both, one is a literally silent figure. It's incapable of speaking. Right. And the other has been silenced, right? So that makes sense to me. But I do agree that the dialogue is not, it's, it's not. It's bad. It's straight up makes no sense. Yeah. This movie came out in 2018, Mm -hmm. just a year ago, but. Why in 2018 would you have in a script the man, like, because the rabbi, when, when the Gentiles come, and he goes, what is the meaning of this? Like, why would you still write yeah. that in this day and age? What is the meaning of this? Yeah. That's such, like, an old, like, outdated, yeah. banal, stale. I, I wonder if it was just boring really and translated or, on... like, someone's second language. That would make sense to me. But if that is the case, I would much rather have read the subtitles <laughs> and had... And listen to them speak I, in Hebrew. I was, I was about to say, I would be curious to read this just in general, because um, all those silent uh, moments happen on the page as oh, well, and I'd be really I'm interested to see what, like, well, I'd be really interested to see what the action looks like in this. Action is a lot of where you get, like, somebody's, like, voice, right? Because the dialogue is somebody else's voice, if you're doing it correctly, right? It's the character's voice. And the action is where you get to hear what the how the writer is like coming at this. And I'd be really curious because there's fully half of this screenplay has got to be action lines instead of dialogue because it's relatively quiet. And I'm I'm kind of curious about what that looks like. Like the dialogue is playing real clunky. I wonder if the action lines are actually really compelling or if it's all kind of clunky and 
the directors they just have just done a really great job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just curious about it. I don't know, but I I would like it makes total sense that this is based on a historical event because the event itself is very compelling. Like the scene, I mean, even in the part where she, I mean, it's not technically a resurrection, but it is sort of a creation Frankenstein type of deal with the golem. With the golem, sorry, that's my southern accent, y'all. Um, <laughs> when it flames uh, into a Star of David, I was like, oh, that's interesting, because I'm used right, to seeing right. that as a pentagram. Uh, I mean, I'm not used mm-hmm. to seeing it, but like in film, like that would have been typically a pentagram, but it, it kind of neutralizes it by putting a different symbol right. there. That was a really cool what, cool uh, visual. Also, when she is cleaning, like when she's wiping the clay from the golem's face, Um that's a really beautiful image. Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's another one too. Oh, um, so there's a, one scene where I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" When she kisses him on the lips, but then she pulls the parchment, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay." Thinking, so all right. of this comes from so so. In the, no, but I think she had to trick him into doing not necessarily it because, because exactly. He would hurt so her. here's the okay. So we got to talk about. Yeah, we got to talk about the golem history here, right? Like about like what this is supposed, like where this is all coming from. So yeah. in the like mythological history of this creature, they're not evil. That's why it's not a pentagram. They're not summoning a demon. No, right, right. A golem isn't inherently evil. It's, it's something outside of morality. Kind of, like it doesn't, it is, in, it doesn't, it is given the spark of life, but not by God. So it does not have the true spark of right. life. It is animated it without the spark of life, Right. So right. it can't speak. Yeah, it can't speak. Um, and it clearly can, like, think. It has some powers mm-hmm. of deduction. It can make decisions. But it's it's thinking, because it does not have morality, is really kind of streamlined to, I like, I don't like. Right, yeah. And if it doesn't like, it is immensely powerful and can destroy. So historically, um, to animate a golem... <laughs> Well, that's why you don't, that's why when monsters are children, it's especially terrifying, right? Because a child exists outside of morality. They don't, they don't have it fully realized yet. Yeah. So to animate the golem, you, those, those letters carved into his forehead. Remember earlier on, she's talking about the letters, like the the letters letters. of life, right? That's what that is. (coughs) And then to, to actually breathe life into him, the life she has breathed into him, that is that scroll in his mouth. So mm-hmm. to deanimate him, she has to remove the scroll from his mouth. Do you remember in the little, like, pre-credits kind of teaser moment, the rabbi is standing in front of the golem he's created, which at that one was huge, right? Yeah. And he's saying, open your mouth, open your mouth, please open your mouth. Because he needs, he can't, he can't overpower this creature. He, he hasn't, either he can't or he doesn't know how to trick this creature. So he's just begging it to open its mouth so he can deanimate it. So the little girl in the in the cold open, I guess that's what you call it, um, is Perla, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. Okay. So she see. Seen that's this why I'm before. just like this could have been such a cool movie if it had just been totally different. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, like the idea is so good. Yes, but it the is. Execution is so. It's just so like even like the background storyline with losing mm-hmm. Joseph and then the secret coming out like from a literary standpoint mm-hmm. this is gold. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the fact, so I was telling, I was saying before we started, to me, this all really boils down, like, what this movie is or what it could have been, really all, all boils down to the choice that the golem is created by a woman. Right. Because it's a, it's a betrayal of Hannah's faith to do this, because she is a woman. Creating a golem is not an inherently evil act. It is something that has been, like, mythologically done throughout history to protect Jewish communities. That's what a golem does. It's not inherently evil, but because it's outside of morality, once you've created it, it's so hard to control that it doesn't just protect the Jewish community. It can then destroy it in the act of protecting well, it. Well, I'm, I mean, right? I just need, yeah, I need more. They need some more of them because it's not, it's been kind of bad. Like, it's yeah. been rough out there. Well, and this is, so this is Jews. kind of right. So like, and all mythology, right? Like explains what has been and explains what will be, right? So yeah. how do you live with, how do you, how do you survive persecution forever, right? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes we stand up for ourselves, but also here's why we can't just whip out that secret weapon all the time. Like it, there is a reason to keep going. We are, we, we matter enough that we can breathe the spark of life into mud and make an all powerful creature. Also, Kids, here's why every household doesn't have a nice little golem right. with a name tag. We can't do that. That's not safe. That's not a choice we can make. So it, it like it makes sense to me, like all in context. But yeah, historically, so some of them are like nice. There are stories about nice, like ones that were relatively well controlled by a community and, you know, could be animated and deanimated at will. There's one that's supposed to be chilling in an attic in like Prague, just waiting in case, you know, we need it again. And you're just going to pop a scroll back in its mouth and it's going to run, run, run. Technically, like there, there's a lot of like discussion about like, is Adam, as of Adam of the creation story, that's a golem. It's just it is not because it was made by God. So it does have the spark of life. That's just how humans are created or human like. Right. Forms. So when we yeah. when we attempt, when we. Yeah, right. And the reason you get we a made from clay is because God made from clay. But when Monster. God breathes us and when God breathes the spark of life, he makes a dumb little dummy dum dum who couldn't function without eve i'm so, just kidding here's sorry my i'm question. sure you're a very nice guy adam i don't know the monster golem in the very beginning is that because the rabbi has such terrible like sculptor skills because yeah they're wildly what? different yes here's my thinking on that when a man makes when a man tries to make an all-powerful being he makes something huge and hulking. I think that's just when men want everything to being. be huge and hulking. Just look at their jeeps. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's 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 such a like weird overkill. Like it didn't have to take that shape. Yeah, it could have been the size of a gnat and still done what it's going to do, right? But that's what the the rabbi created because when you give a man the, the opportunity, that's what he makes. And given the opportunity, what Hannah saw as all powerful was her family line that she that she was so at this point so terrified to continue. The idea mm-hmm. of the next generation for her. That was I, that was power. That was terrifying. That was the biggest, scariest mm-hmm. thing she could think of. I did love how, though, when also, once she realizes like, this is my golem, she put him in the bath. And af- right after she wipes the clay off his face, she holds him underwater to make sure that he's not going to drown. Do you guys remember that? Well, when she holds him underwater, yeah. I thought because she was testing yeah. to see... If he is truly a golem, because like he can't die, because she. I think I think there's a. Yeah, that there's, was one well, of there's the a most couple things there. One, moments. she's testing to see if he if he's 
Oh, yeah. She's testing its mortality, right? To see if it actually, because that's what they've just told her, right? It can't die. Right. Perla told her that, right? Like, it can't die. Min- like a minute right before. So she's testing that that's true and that's what she actually has. Also, it occurred to me the second time I watched it, I was like, she's not just trying to figure out if it is a golem. She's trying to figure out if it's hers. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't struggle against her at all. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and he's and I'm not sure even the creature gasping would know, Like air. when other people try to harm it. Right. Yeah, even though he's not, even though he's indestructible, other creatures shoot at him and he attacks them, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything to her. He just sits back up. So I was like, it's not just that. It's the second time I watched it, I was like, that kind of turned a little something for me that I was like, oh. Oh, this is a big moment for her. Not just in that I finally have a son who won't die. But that this is, oh my God, like the immensity of the power yeah. there, like, right? This is hers. This is something all the men think is impossible and I did it. I made it and it's mine and it will protect me. And it'll never hurt me. Yes. I, did. I was like, oh wow. God. <laughs> icky, icky. So while we're talking about betrayal, um, Rachel, what were you saying earlier about the golem's betrayal? I don't understand that. Well, because obviously when he turns around and he's he's harming her, I, uh, oh, yeah. you know, because like just like how we said that, you know, when she tests him, puts him under the water, he doesn't fight back. And a lot of the times mm-hmm. in this movie, we see him protect her, not just when they were trying to kill her in the woods, mm-hmm. but when um, she gets, they feel the same thing as each other. He's like a walking voodoo doll. And... When right. she gets enraged when she sees her husband in this other woman's house because, yeah, he's eating another woman's food in her How house. How very dare you. No, it's fuck no. That's a like betrayal. God intended. Like, no. Delicious like God no, intended No, bitch, I am delicious. That's <laughs> so when he, when, when he sees that and he kills her... We, we get a sense of, like, this loyalty and trust. And then he very quickly starts harming her. Not in just, like, small ways, but in big ways. He, like, stabs her by stabbing himself. Yeah, yeah that was wild to me. And he per- that was another really good yeah. section. And I, and I, and I, I like how we're... I wondered if he... Un- so here's... I wondered if he understood that he did that. Do you think he knew? Yeah. But it's, like, the same thing that we've been see, saying. is like is it a child and a you know, golem. I don't, I didn't know that he, he could tell that he hurt her when he did that. Yeah. I thought it was more like, he's like tantruming, right? That he's like, I don't know about this guy. (laughs) And he just isn't aware of what the impact it's having. That's what I thought. But you felt like it was clear that he, that he he was deliberately hurting her? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the way that he, he comes in. The little kid imagery got me, man. I thought he was just tantruming. And then the way that, you know, he comes in and he's protecting them. He's protecting the people of this village from the outsiders, but then he goes ahead. Then he turns around and starts killing them. So I think just like a bit that it, it aligns very much with what you're saying. What a golem is—he doesn't have morality. He's just alive. But that, right, that doesn't yeah. make it less yeah, of a betrayal. Threat, like when not threat. Good. Like when he, um, the husband goes to the other woman's house, he's not betraying her, but he's still—it's still a betrayal in a way. Well, I think some of that boils down to intent, though, right? Like, we agree that Benjamin knew what he was doing. If a creature doesn't know what it's doing. But at the same time, I disagree is it, is it that he was... Thing? I mean, you can still be hurt by it. No. I'm not saying I that you shouldn't be hurt by it. I disagree that he was but... intentionally doing it to hurt her. I think that here's this woman who's been on his 
literally like on his literal heels from the jump trying to comfort him and in this moment of, I was gonna say on his jock but yeah well anyway so in his this, like immense like rage and grief the first thing he goes to is this sense of comfort which is what she's been offering him from the beginning I don't think his in, I don't think he was intentionally trying to hurt his wife I think he was just the first thought to his mind was I need something to take my mind off of this and that's what he went to I felt like he was more intentional about it personally, but I think that there is, I think there's room for interpretation. Yeah. I don't think it was. I agree. Like a closed book either way. Yeah. I know you were saying that Benjamin's actions were somewhat open to interpretation, but because we are made to associate that effect with the cause of him finding her, Uh I don't know, uh what is that little, uh, box of the no baby juice magic spells that her tinctures her her tinctures and potions her basically finding her contraception and that she was hiding it from him he feels betrayed and he is he has been betrayed Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. she did not mean for it to, to betray him like that's not the reason why she did it but that is the reason why he goes to that woman's house if that wasn't the reason when she's like, oh, are you sure that's all I can do for you? He would have been like, no, you could do a lot more for me if he had really been going there for that. But he's just going there to get back at Hannah. That's yeah. how I interpreted it based on those lines. Yeah. Which, again, we talked about how sloppy the dialogue is, so I could be reading into it. But also that's what it's there for, so I'm not sorry about being mad at him. Yeah, and no, I actually I'm not think ma- that I'm it's it is on her though. Him. It is on her. Yeah, it's on her. She set it into motion. She did betray him. Like I know that it comes down harder on the women because even his buddy is like, Oh well it's been seven years, you know, you can fuck someone else if you want. Like, he that's the statute father. of limitations. Like, it was his dad, him. the rabbi, who yeah. told him, you can cast her away, you know? Like, we're cool yeah, with that. I was gonna say, yeah, the stakes there are huge. Yeah, because that's not, it it's your, it's your, well, he calls him father, and I was like, what the, oh, no, he's literal yeah. father, that makes sense. There we go, I'm back on now. But I was like, oh, that's, that's huge stakes. It's not just your dad, it's not just the rabbi, your father is the most important person. Yep, he's in, in this he's in town. charge. And he's the one telling you, well, you know what seven years means? Get right. that strange. Go chasing a fresh piece. And he's like, ah. Also, since we're on the topic. Yeah, and that's what made me like him. I'm not saying that he's blameless. Mm-hmm. But he does try to do what society demands of him. And then he's like, no, this is wrong. Well, you know what so, I kind of appreciated? Yeah, you know what I appreciated? It was that as much as he was concerned about her, her interest in specifically in teachings that are it's not just his opinion right that were widely regarded by his entire like world at the time to be you know scary he didn't not bring her books he didn't tell her stop reading stop studying he knows she's hanging right. out under the temp under the synagogue right. and he's just like let like okay right. i'm hooking you up I, I was like, okay, this is a guy who understands his wife. He understands who she is and what she is good at and what she loves. And to the best of his absolute ability, he's supporting that. That's yeah. that's a, that's an impressive trait given this man and his circumstances. Yeah, and that's that why I was more... saying, like, I like him, but I'm mad at him. Yeah, it makes it that well, yeah. it makes it that much more hurtful or difficult when he does fall down on that job. If the thing you liked about him was 
he's got her back. When he doesn't, you're like, God damn it. Right. This is what but, I find out I mean, for. But I get that, though, in that situation, mm-hmm. why he would be like, well, I mean, because we all do it, right? Like, we feel like we're yeah. being crazy about something, and then we go talk to somebody we trust, and they're like, no, bitch, you're not being crazy. We are pulling the fuck up. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, we're pulling up. And then you get there, and then it's like, oh, no, this is not the situation I thought it was. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, right. And then, and then that's when he's like, um, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I know that that's what, I know I can pull yeah. the fuck up if I want, but I don't feel good about that. And I think yeah. that that is hard to do. I think that's really hard to do. Yeah. Like, once you've kind of been like, yeah, I'm doing this shit. And then bailing at the last second, regardless of what someone will say to or about you. I think that's hard to do. So I like him, yeah. but I'm mad at him. Yeah. Well, the women, the women get... The, the women seem to end up faced with outsized decisions and outsized consequences for like the amount of power they actually have in their circumstances. Mm-hmm. They end up having to make these massive calls that because the men in their lives are avoiding it or ignoring it or in denial about, I mean, just, you know, so then they end up making these epic calls and then they get end up with epic consequences when really like, the buck just got passed so far down the food chain that now, like, Hannah is responsible for the destruction of her village. When also, right. <laughs> the entire, like, village council of dudes that apparently have guns and know how to handle them could have been like, get out of here, Russian Orthodox bullies. I mean, did they right. know? Like, where is their checks of, like, where's their checks and balances, Russian Orthodox bullies? Like, yeah. Yeah. Where are your I mean, women at? Oh, they all have the plague so like, and they're pregnant by their dad. Oh, that. That's what's going on. Maybe that's yeah, not like, what happened, but I was definitely getting off. In, in, I mean, I was definitely was, getting incestuous was, vibes from Rebecca and her dad. Was, there was a vibe. And I don't know if it's just like that actor is incapable of platonic chemistry or if that was deliberate. But either way, at a certain point, I feel like somebody, even in the editing room, at least at the very end of the process, should have been like, this is reading weird. We have to make adjustments. So do you want this to be Freudian or? Like, are we supposed to believe that? Like, I don't, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so. um, Also, I just don't, man, I feel like if she was pregnant, her immune system would have been like, fuck you, plague. I feel like that's usually how it works, but I could be it's, totally well, wrong. I mean, I think it kind of goes, kind of one way or the other is also is reasonable, right? Oh yeah, okay. either it's her body is like I'm a superhuman, yeah. or like her body is like my mom every time had massive hypertension and gestational diabetes, which is why we yeah. all came squeezing out. Yeah. yeah, we all came popping out early, and the doctors were like, "That's probably for the best." You didn't need well, another okay. month of this shit. I guess that <laughs> makes sense. Like it's one way or the other. Typically, like they super immune system or oh this is another parasite let me try to eradicate it okay so women are always held to higher standards in this village mm-hmm. um like and don't dudes get me are wrong. just like hot potatoing the issue and then the woman is like fine i'm gonna bake this potato and they're like what how could you like no matter what decision a, the, the, your baked <laughs> potato is murdering everyone mm-hmm. um how dare you fair, how dare you I am not suggesting that early 17th century Jewish men were especially empowered in Lithuania. That's not where I'm going with this. Just that if anyone in this village has power, it's super not Hannah. 
No, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. anyone Maybe in the Perla. could make a call that the rest of the village would rally behind. It's not Hannah. Yeah. And even Perla, like, she has, I, I, I got more of a sense of healthy fear than healthy respect for her. Well, I mean, those two it's are really cent- related, so. Well, it's the 17th century, and she's a healer. Everything she does is basically, like, it might as well be witchcraft. They have no idea what science is. It's fine. Um, I just wanted to also say about, like, the consequences that I thought was, like, really weird, because, again, it's not just in the story itself that the consequences of the women, I think that it's, like, a little bit more meta, like, when you're thinking about it. I just thought it was, like, okay, so... Obviously, Hannah gets a lot of flack for her betrayal because she lied. But I also thought it was, like, it was, like, kind of hard to watch the fact that when her sister got punched in the stomach and then later we learn, oh, she was pregnant and she lost the baby. Like, that's, that, that is very significant in a person's life. That's a tragedy And it's almost like, because they're religious, it's almost like, because I mean, I grew up in like Christian schools and I just, I just have like these flashbacks that I know that they would say, that's why you don't have premarital sex. Like that's just, it's just, I had like that trigger for me. And so I just, a lot of times in this movie, I kind of had to step back and say, what is this movie like actually saying? Like, like the scene where um, Hannah's having sex with her husband in the beginning and how awful it looked and she's just lifeless but that was supposed to be holy and good and but if you're having like sex for pleasure it's like all of a sudden all these terrible things happen so i my issue part of my issue with the whole um with the loss of her her sister's child was that um that we've just seen them alone in a really intimate moment a really sweet and intimate moment okay it seemed so weird to me that they hadn't already talked about it and it really cheapened the beat to find out after the fact like that didn't feel like an earned reveal like you know like there was no it's not a moment that got to land because it hadn't been set up. Yeah. Anymore. And I could see like, like a double what, advocate what is the saying moment? that I'm sorry. they're a very religious community, but in scenes that we've seen with them before, like in the river. Yeah, exactly. She and her sister di- have a totally different dynamic than any other characters we've seen interacting up to this point. They're yeah. much more intimate. They're much warmer. They're much more, there's a kind of real actual casual mm-hmm an intimate vibe between exactly. them. Exactly. And even earlier mm-hmm. in the movie, when it's clear that Ben and Hannah do care about each other very much, like that has been and is a relationship that is fundamentally loving for all of its complication. These are people that have loved each other. There's a totally different thing happening with Hannah and her sister. So much so that for a hot beat, I was like, is this her lover? Um, yeah. They're like running around naked in a stream, maybe. And then I figured it out. But, um, but yeah, that really, really different vibe. And I just thought, man, what a missed opportunity. They didn't even have to say it explicitly. Mm-hmm. They could have just alluded to it. They could have just made sure to not not set it up, right? Yeah. Like have her try to do something dangerous and have her sister be like, no, no, no. And she's like, fine. And she jumps off a lower rock, right? Cute. And it looks like, oh, she's just a protective sister. No, 
she was looking out for her because she was pregnant, right? Like there was there were there were plenty of ways to set that up for it to matter that she's been struck beyond just these Russian Orthodox bullies are mean. Mm-hmm. And the loss of the child there, like, I don't know. I just, I felt like, how is it more impactful for Hannah? I get that a lot of this beat is really about how it affects Hannah. How is it more impactful for Hannah if she's getting this information now and grieving it now? Yeah. As opposed to if she's had this information, even if only for a week, and been celebrating it secretly for a week and now has to grieve it publicly. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, how did that get you more mileage? How was that more interesting as a choice? So, this is... Yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, you know, a lot of missed opportunities here in our, in our screenwriting. I agree with all the and sounds I'm like that you just made. I'm like a yep. super expert now. I've taken like three whole community college classes. <laughs> you also have a degree from NYU film school, <sighs> so that's um, something... Yeah, used to be. I don't know. I feel like they give them out for anyone these days. Who knows? Who knows? I felt this movie had a lot to talk about because it was like, okay, it had all the guts of a really good movie. Yeah, exactly. And Mary Kay um, wanted to talk setting. Oh, well, I don't really know about the setting. I wanted you guys to talk about it so I could learn. <laughs> so part of the logic is that Helm? Helm? I can't pronounce Polish terribly well, guys. I'm real <laughs> sorry. Is this kind of like folk legend, right? Kind of Paul Bunyan-esque, right? Where there's like, there's probably some fact under there. And now it's spiraled outward. Um, but Kuhn was a town in Poland. And um, a writer in the early 17th century, shortly after the events of this movie, wrote about a rabbi who was in this town in the late 16th century. And made a golem and it's the one that like like i said if there ever was one this is where it was to the point that there are actual like humans who believe that this happened not not just like in a paul bunyan-esque fashion but like actually believe that this this golem was real in poland Mm -hmm. in the late 16th century so that's the events we're seeing in the cold open right Okay. Hypothetically, Perla was a child in Poland at the end of the 16th century. Right. And she was there at the creation of the first real golem. So she, mm-hmm. now in Lithuania, in the early 17th century, recognizes it when she sees it again. So they're, they're, they're working off a historical, or semi-historical, I guess, event. Yeah. So um, the writer described it, uh, Rabbi Jacob Emden, which was, that was late 18th, or mid 18th century described it as a he heard heard from his father that uh, the rabbi saw the golem growing larger and he feared the golem would get large enough to destroy the entire universe wow. so he wiped the holy name off its forehead and that's what caused him to return to dust okay hmm. interesting okay mm-hmm. so, yeah, so the forehead when... and the scroll in the mouth are just like kind of dual they're both like part okay. of the legend, and in some versions of the legend, the forehead is more important. Some of the scroll is more important. Okay, so then what is Kabbalah? Because that's what she reads from. So cool. Also, 
this movie did not have the budget to get everyone on the same page. Right, exactly. They didn't have, like... In terms of, like, like, look and accent and all that. I don't feel like they had, like, the same kind of budget or skills as the movie, um, The Witch, where, you know... Mm Mm-hmm. Which I had just watched again, because a boy came over, and he's like, oh, I still haven't seen this. It could have been Uh another The Witch, but different. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, So we were talking setting. We talked about why it had to be Lithuania and why the early 1600s. The plague, you know, is a thing. Very gross. Oh, yeah. Who said in the outline, like, oh, that old orchard branch or something? That was me. (laughs) Oh, that old chestnut. You've never heard that phrase? But I love that. never heard that phrase? I love that phrase. When somebody. Orchard branch. No, it says that chestnut. It's that, oh, that old chestnut. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, when somebody, like, brings up a thing that's, like, brought up all the time. Like, if we were going to be talking about, like, like, if we were saying like, oh yes, famous writers, and some one of us was like, yes, but you know how how creativity and mental illness go hand in hand. The other one would be like, oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, you've never heard that. No, but no. I think it's so beautiful because we're talking about the plague, and you're like, oh yeah, that old chestnut. <laughs> that was so. <laughs> well, I just mean that like, I just mean that it's a good if you're working in the right period of history, it's a great place for a filmmaker to go because it's cinematic. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of illnesses that would just look like generalized sick person. The plague is really identifiable visually. Yeah, especially the yeah. like the the doc um uh the masks. I forget what they called the 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 plague doctor masks. Yeah. Oh, but I thought oh. it was funny because they were yeah. all. I think they like were building so much on like the from like 2016, 2017, 2018. Like that, like that mask kind of. I I noticed it coming back like on meme channels. Yeah. Like it became like back into like. Yeah. Oh, the creepy, you know, Halloweeny birds. And so I feel yeah. like that's the what yeah. the doctors wore, but all of them wore it in that village. So I felt like it was kind of like a cheap, like creepy, yeah, factor to put into it. Like well, that's, that's where I mean. all the money went. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like that's it's such an easy place to go, right? Because those look cool and they look creepy. Yes, and the plague itself, like like she like his daughter, right? Like you saw like the necrosis in her fingers. And when all of her, like, when all of her, um, like, her nymph, her lymph nodes, like, burst, right? So all that blood on her throat, like, that's very noticeable. Like, it, it's identifiable for what it is. So, like, you know what's going on. You see the masks. You see her with the boils and the fingers. And you're like, oh, shit. The plague. Cool. So it's, it's shorthand. I love that you just it's said, what, oh, shit, the plague. Take. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's shorthand that you don't have to, you don't have, it's shit you don't have to set up. Yeah. So yeah, I get why so they did that. When we were coming back from Spooky Empire, I made Mary listen to like five episodes of this podcast made will me. kill you, which is about various epidemics. Made me. But then Mary or was like, I loved it. What was the one you were so excited about? There was one where you were like, Oh yeah, this one. Syphilis, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think you were like, Oh yeah, do syphilis. Yes. <laughs> that sounds exactly like Mary's like a cheerleader for syphilis. Right. Yeah. Well, it's so treatable. So, you know, it's okay to be hype on that one. <laughs> yeah, now. She's yeah. hype. Mary's hype yeah. on syphilis. <laughs> God damn it. That's going to be in the social media. Anyway, they have an episode <laughs> yeah. about the plague. The plague episode was really good. I don't think I've listened to that one yet. I thought we listened to it in the car. I think we listened to TB. I think we listened to tuberculosis. We listened to a number. We listened to syphilis. There was some. Oh, was it leprosy? Yes. We listened to leprosy. There was one, though, that we, like, thought we knew something about. We listened we to actually, measles. 
I think it might have um, been measles. Hey, we everyone, like, Dear God. go get your fucking vaccines and get your kids fucking vaccinated. Yeah, please. Like, that's ridiculous. It was just horrifying. Because measles, if you get measles, not only does it really, really hurt you, it wipes all of your immune system out. It wipes the hard drive. So you have no immunities. So hey, a bitches, cold remember- can kill you. Y'all hoes, remember that time you spilled orange juice on the keyboard of your laptop? What? <laughs> you were talking about how it like doesn't just like destroy like you for the one disease. It's everything. Oh, it's a metaphor. It's orange. It's orange it's juice germs, in your. It's a metaphor. <laughs> no, no, it's orange juice in your keyboard. Everything you ever loved that was on this computer is gone. Something I feel like they they reference Kabbalah like a little bit here, and yes, that is part of the lore. But also, that's something that like you know, it's going to take you a whole lifetime's worth to get expertise in yeah there's the hollywood version and then there's the mystic version and like but there's that's okay that's a whole fucking thing um i bet there's a podcast about it we should find one if we find one if we find one that we like guys we'll tell you about it for me part of it was what's interesting about this premise right is that we don't have a monster or a demon kinda well we have okay it's it's very it's similar to a lot of other like life creating stories right like frankenstein yeah that the monster is not monstra like if he is monstrous it's because of how he's crafted right he can't he has no control over right okay i hear over his monstrosity so he's misunderstood and he is and he is powerless to to address the reasons that she hates me like others yes yeah yeah right i i'm not even gonna lie to you when i heard that in bride of frankenstein i started crying i love basically all frankenstein anything ever it's one of the first it's one of the earlier like classic novels i read actually well it is the first science fiction novel it is and i remember loving it and being really fascinated and i also remember being nervous to read it because i knew it was scary and as i read it i was like this isn't scary this is like if you don't if it don't break your heart you never had one to begin with it's so sad um and i mean there's there's that there's kind of a commonality here i don't know that it's as deeply explored in this story at all not even close but um, i don't think anything's deeply explored in this film no, I don't. And again, that's that's the kind of thing that happens when you're like, okay, you have money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens when someone says you have enough money to film for a month. Yeah. Instead of you have enough money to film for three months so that you can actually, like, take your time and do cooler stuff. When you, like, have to get the shot because otherwise this fucking story doesn't happen. You don't have the, like. Yeah, but it just seems like more time should have been spent on the front end of making the story, not the shooting. The well, shooting I, I was think... good. It looks, it can look pretty, but there's a lot of storytelling that happens on set. Yeah, and then you... I think both would have been beneficial. And you have to pay for labor for more time, too. Like I said, that's why I'm curious to see what this looks like on paper. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that on paper, it looks better than it sounds and that a lot of good dialogue got cut? Or that the action is so compelling that it wasn't really clear until it was happening that the dialogue wasn't all that strong? Right, there's... I'm just curious about it. Yeah. Not making any assumptions. Curious. But, um, but yeah, that's such a, 
it's such a fascinating premise. Nobody in this world is a monster. Everybody in this world wants something that you can get. Even the cruel ass bully wants his daughter to be healed. Like, That's he what I found very interesting. That to me was the most interesting part. Because then you even get that sweet moment when he's talking about her. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Like, there's, nothing is trying to like drag us down into some fiery pit. Nothing is trying to... There's no like cosmic retribution happening here. We just happen to have a creature that can rip your arm off. It's seven years old. And also, it doesn't have a brain. But going back to the idea what, of like what do you do with that retribution? Like when we were talking about betrayal a little bit, and there was like the, kind of like the betrayal uh-huh. of religion. I just I, I couldn't stop coming back to like the very opening line in the beginning um, mm-hmm. when uh, um, I forget her name. She's the healer, Perla. 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 When she was a child and. There's that voice in the very beginning saying, when man tries to play God, a darkness awakens. Right. And that comes back to Hannah and, like, her betrayal. And then, so because of, not only did she betray her husband with this lie, um, but then she, like, betrays the religion by being a woman and doing what they said not to do. And then he wreaks havoc. Yeah, but look at whoever look at everyone who plays God. The rabbi says leave your wife. But that's not playing God. He's no. speaking from he's speaking from a religious prayer. He's saying you are vindicated by your own religious text to do this at this point. Well it he's saying that you wouldn't enough. be blamed now if go. you did it. Right, but that's what yeah, I'm saying. I don't think it's the same. Though. It's I don't I don't personally think it is, but there are so many moments of people putting their fingers in pies in ways that are like if you hold a gun to someone's head and say heal for me that you haven't convinced them you've just not murdered them right right all i'm saying like so i think that there's a lot of examples of people trying to tip the scales of of life one way or another because you know the rabbi is telling him leave your wife so you can have a child leave your wife wife to procreate like, I'm trying to manipulate your procreation by convincing you to do this. Like, there are so many examples of people trying to tip these scales one way or another, or successfully tipping a scale one way or another. Hannah just really goes wide with it. I know, but when I'm, she goes all I'm like, saying is that when they're talking about playing God, you're talking about either creating life or taking life, and in the way that she is preventing life by her you know, mm-hmm. her contraception and it's fucked up. But I, I just kept coming back to that, that opening line of like when man tries to play God, a darkness awakens. And it just seems like a really, like, I just, there's a lot of, like I said in the beginning, there's a lot of times when I stepped away from this film, I'm like, so she's trying to protect her village and she's like, she created this thing, even though they told her not to. And now all hell is broken loose. Like, okay, that I can like, I can understand. <laughs> all that I can understand. But the fact that like, but, <laughs> sure, this all hell started, breaks loose. But like the very black-eyed seven-year-old murdering the shit out of everyone. I'm on board. To avoid having children, and then it escalated to this. It's just like looking at the the seed. No pun intended, but. Hey. <laughs> Also, did it all start because of that? Or did it all start because 
Like, the actual inciting event here is nothing Hannah did. The inciting event is the bullies. But she wouldn't have been so obsessed in those those scriptures and like reading about she wouldn't she wouldn't have gotten so into I don't that. think that's true. No she she I, don't think that's I thought true. she was already really invested in it. It seemed like she no because yeah. he, he told her because like because she was diving into that and he kept telling her life is in the people around you and or God is in people around you and in life itself because ever since Joseph yeah. died, all she does is put her head in the books and that's like what kind of drove the wedge between her and Benjamin in the first place it's because he's trying to I didn't I didn't interpret that in my but he even says, I thought that she was just a smart well no because he even told her all of the all of the studying you're doing you're not gonna find the reason for why he took our child because there isn't one because that's the reason behind yeah but at the by the time that happens, that's later in the movie. By the time that happens, yeah, but you don't see there her has before been other... when they had Joseph. No, but what I mean is, by the time he is telling her, you're not going to find a reason. Other stuff has happened in the story that might compel her to be looking to look to look at the scripture differently. In the earliest stages, she's not like. I didn't get the impression that this was pressured. And I only got the impression that the thing that he didn't like was that it was Kabbalah and that that was, you know, something kind of kind of secret and misunderstood. And he didn't he wasn't comfortable with her pursuing it, but not that he was uncomfortable with her pursuing further knowledge. I mean, he's been fucking sneaking books out. Yeah. From the very beginning. That's interesting. I mean, I would I would be interested to 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 try and figure that out. Like if that's really something she's only done. So um, for our closer, this was also one of mine. Um, I never come up with icebreakers, so I'm just real hype on the fact that I did this. <laughs> I'm hype on syphilis, and I'm hype on icebreakers. Um, so for our closer, um, golems usually are gigantic, like the one we see in the um, opening sequence. And then we end up with tiny baby one. Also, was anyone nervous when that seven-year-old was naked as shit? I was like, oh, my God, what are they doing with his little dingling? Is this okay? I'm nervous <laughs> for him. Like, is what are the child no, I labor that was laws? Really cool shot. It's beautiful, but I was like, yeah. what are the child labor laws? They can't involve his penis. I don't understand. Anyway, um, so unexpected form for a golem to take is a child. What would your unexpected golem shape be? Like, if you manifested the thing that to you is like power and terror, but because it's so personal, it would be kind of weird. What is it? Go, Rachel, do it. It would be myself, not because it's powerful, but because that would be, to me, that would be terrifying. If I had to manifest a golem and it came looking like me, I would be terrified because that's just like looking at a mirror and who wants to fucking do that? That's amazing. Mary, you go. I think mine would be a pot that doesn't look like it's hot, but it is. Ooh, that's good. I have so many burn scars. It's not even funny. I really think that, like, my goal would be like, you'd walk up and be like, oh, look at this cute little teapot. Ah! And, like, and like, you, like, put your hand close to it to test to see if it is hot, but you don't feel anything, so you touch it and it's yeah. hot. It sears your flesh. You melt down to a puddle, like in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Ooh, that's like <laughs> a sinister pot. That's like a manipulative pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sinister pot. That's my um, rapper name. Yeah. <laughs> Not manipulative pot. <laughs> no, no. Sinister, Sinister pot. pot. Love it. 
the unexpected form that my golem would take is Tom Hardy. Oh, why? Because, uh, because I feel like he could trick me into doing some shit that I had no intention because of doing. Because he's so originally. goddamn beautiful. Like stabbing myself in the leg. Yeah, I would stab myself in the leg for yeah. Tom Hardy, hands down. What? See, see, just talking like, about it right pro- now, I wouldn't. But I feel like if he was there at the dinner table and he was like, "Do it, girl." I'd yeah, be like, okay. <laughs> that's what. I, yeah, that's what. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so like, and he would do it in that poke... accent that he has in Peaky Blinders. Hell yeah, I know. Fucking Alfie Solomon. Oh. And in response to the weather, which I fear out of respect, our next episode will be about. And this is going to be my best guess at how to pronounce is at how to pronounce this name, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu's film, The Revenant. That's right, yeah. the one that won Leo. His Oscar, I believe, right? Finally, finally. Um, You can stream that film on Amazon, and trust me, you'll want to do that. It'll be, I think it's like three or four dollars right now, and it's totally worth it. Watch it on a big screen. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Happy holidays!